podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Gallagher Shots podcast and YouTube channel. We are back with another match preview. I'm Scott, I am your host for this one, and this week I am joined by Daryl, Andy and Joe. This week we are going to take a look at the Bournemouth game. It's on Saturday, it's at St James's Park and it's at 3pm. We're going to jump right into that in just a minute, but before we do that, here's a word from our sponsor. The Gallagher Shots Match Preview is brought to you by Magpin. Magpin are the go-to site for high-quality, unofficial enamel pin badges of Newcastle United players, legends and retro kits. For more information, visit their website at magpinbadges.bigcartel.com. Right then, so as I've just mentioned, Saturday 17th of February, 3pm kickoff. It's quite a weird one. We don't get many of those at St James's Park. We AFC Bournemouth. Um, they're currently sitting 13th in the Premier League on 27 points. That is seven wins, 10 defeats and six draws. They're on a minus 13 goal difference. That's 13 goals scored and 44 goals conceded. Um, in their last five, they have had three defeats and two draws. Um, that's not really a good representation of Bournemouth, though. They're a bit up and down. Uh, if you go back just November to December, uh, they are seven games undefeated in that month. Um, and that was, un <laughs> incidentally, a win against us, 2-0. Mm. Um, it also beat Sheffield United, Crystal Palace. They beat Man U, Nottingham Forest, Fulham. And they also drew two all against Aston Villa. So very unpredictable, boys. Uh, it could go either way, I think, this one. Um, we're going to look into some detail and this might be a little bit different to some other match previews that we've done in the past we're trying some new things we've got some good feedback from the past couple of ones so we're we're going with this a little bit more um before we jump into all that goodness i've got a few little pretty much insights and some little tidbits that i'm going to go through and then we're all going to have a little piece and then we're going to discuss about newcastle so i've got some pretty much insights some little pub quiz trivia if you will uh before we get started um First of all, Bournemouth are looking to complete their first ever league double over the fabulous Newcastle United. Uh, it's their seventh time of asking, but they've never done it yet. Um, so let's hope it'll be the eighth time of asking or the ninth time or the tenth time and they don't get to do that. Um, but they have scored at least once in 14 of their last 15 Premier League games, 26 goals in total. Uh, they've only failed to score against Liverpool at home and that was in January. Uh, away from home, they've scored in the last eight. That's 15 goals in total, which is their longest ever run. So let's hope we can break that record. Um, we currently sit on 51 goals in the Premier League and 24 matches. That's our, the earliest we've ever done that in the top flight, uh, where we've hit 50-plus goals since 1960-61 season, uh, which only took us 23 games, so we're still not breaking a record. Remember um, it well. We have, we have had nine <laughs> seasons or a nine-season spread which was the 2012 to 2013 to the 2021 to 2022 season where we failed to score 50 goals at all in the Premier League. So <laughs> yeah, we're doing okay. <laughs> um, and then My finally gosh, from me, 
Finally <laughs> for me, our record against Bournemouth uh, in total, this isn't Premier League, this is obviously uh, Championship and, and whatever as well, is we've won four, we've lost two, and we've drew two. So let's hope we can turn that to 1-5, lost two, and drew two. Daryl, mate, I've yes. said way too much now. Um, people will be <laughs> sick of my voice, although it is only four minutes uh, coming up to of recording time. Um, welcome, and also, you're going to talk about the last time we played Bournemouth. The stage is yours. Yes. So, as you mentioned earlier, the last time that we actually played Bournemouth would have been the reverse fixture back in November. But the last time that we played Bournemouth at St James's, we go back to last season now, and it was a 1-1 draw. Uh, the goals scored by Bournemouth were the scoring by Philip Billen, who thankfully will not be playing in this game, as we'll get to later. Um, and then we had an Alexander Isaac penalty to equalise uh, later on in the game. Um, well, actually, not that much later on. Even it was six, just five minutes later on the sixty-seventh minute. Um, he was well. The penalty was won because Trippier had put a Kieran Trippier had put a good cross in, and it was judged to have struck the hand of Jefferson Lerma. Um, and the VAR review then judged that the penalty should be awarded, and Alexander Isaac converted that penalty um, by putting it to the goalkeeper's right at the Leeds end. Um, the goal that Bournemouth scored. Just step back a little bit there. The Philip Billing goal um, sort of came against the runner play at that point in the game, and it caught Nick Pope out at his near post with with a volley. Um, but again, we came through that game, and it was actually the first game after the death of Queen Elizabeth II. And um, so I remember reading the reviews at the time that um, the atmosphere was quite subdued, and obviously as it would be back then, you know, instead of you know, you're uh, remembering the death, you're remembering the life of a monarch and commemorating her life and you know, everybody's. It's almost felt as though priorities weren't in, or when it wasn't proper for the priorities to be where they were at that time. So it was an interesting game. Um, as you know, a record against Bournemouth is a little bit funny. I mean, if you just go in, you know, you mentioned the overall record there, Scott. Before, if we just look at the Premier League at St James's, it's one two, uh, one two, drawn one and lost two. So that draw last season was the first time we we drew against Bournemouth at home in the league, and as I am with you. I hope we turn that into three wins and one draw and two losses. Absolutely. Um, Andy, mate, uh, obviously, you know, I mentioned before there that going back to November, they did beat us 2-0 at their ground. Um, it wasn't that long ago. So we kind of, well, we don't really know what to expect because of the run they're on, but you've been looking into the opposition a little bit. Um what have you been finding about Bournemouth or, or not finding, as the case may be? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, anyone who tries, tries to find content on Bournemouth is fighting a bit of a losing battle, really, which is a bit unfair on them because they've been around and established in the league for so long now. They've always played pretty good stuff. Obviously, Eddie Howe's got a big part to play in that. Um, I tried to sort of think about what my opinion of Bournemouth, what, what I thought Bournemouth fans would be thinking before looking into it. And I would have thought Bournemouth fans would be pretty positive with how things have gone they've obviously had a few changes of manager I think the most recent change they weren't expecting um, but I, I watched a, a video of fans being interviewed outside the ground at Fulham they just lost to Fulham um, and they were quite negative and um, which was quite surprising mm. and I don't know if that was just because you come out of a game and you're always just raging and you just want to sort of shout at <laughs> the world um, but um, they, were say, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. We all have. Um, well, I mean, we did it at Bournemouth, didn't we? We were absolutely fuming after that. Um, but at the minute, the from what they were saying, it was a good selection. It was maybe like six or seven different fans from lots of different age ranges and places in the world. And they're just getting a bit tetchy at the moment. Uh, they had a really good start to the season. Um, like you said, they had a, a, an amazing run um, of fixtures where they were winning and winning and they beat Man United 3-0 away from home where they absolutely battered them. Um, but now there was one fan in particular he said we're no longer looking up the table we're actually starting to look down again mm. they're, they're only eight mm. points clear um which in seasons past Bournemouth fans would probably be loving that but i think they're just getting a bit tetchy now luton have started winning forest looking a bit better um so they're, they're a bit worried in terms of the football a lot of them were saying that they're still playing good stuff but they're just not quite at the races they're a bit wasteful in front of goal Solanke's obviously been sort of carrying the goal scoring um and generally they just feel like they're being a bit wasteful similar to probably what we've been like maybe not recently recently but obviously over that winter period where we just weren't quite there and we were struggling a little bit um the, the one observation that they made for the fulham game is that they had 13 corners um didn't score from any of them didn't create any chances at all two of the goals they conceded was because bournemouth players basically slipped over and it's almost just like they're in that period of the season where they're all just shrugging the shoulders um so their next two games are us and man city um, but when you look at the games they've got after us, you can kind of see why they're treating this as a bit of a free hit. So after those mm. games, they've got Burnley, Sheffield United, Luton, Wolves, Everton, Palace, Luton. So I think they're just wanting to get these next two games out of the way and then they can hopefully <laughs> go on another amazing run. Um, but they'll definitely be uh, be confident um, based on the, the last game. Just briefly, tactically, because there isn't an awful lot on them. They play 4-2-3-1, similar to um, Forrest. Generally, it's the same back four, Neto, Smith, uh, Zabanini. I think he's new signing uh, from this season. Um, Senesi, uh, Kelly, the Holden two is Cook and Christie, who they describe as workhorses, pretty similar to Forrest midfield last week, I think. And then, obviously, Solanke starts up top pretty much every single game, um, or to have a striker who doesn't get injured. Um, and then the, the three behind that tends to chop and change. It's Semenyo, Clivert, Tavernier, Scott, Sinistera in one description or another. Um, so I think it's going to be similar tactically to Forrest. I think they'll try and get in behind our midfield or try and swamp the midfield if they can um they do apparently do a bit of a i haven't seen much of bournemouth but apparently they do like a high press um but i think that's something we benefit from so it'll be interesting to see what they do at our place so interesting tactical matchup um mm. they haven't really rotated for the whole season i know joe's going to go into more about the players themselves but i think they're very much just seeing this as let's go to st james's try and get a result if not, if we don't win, whatever. And I think that's probably the right attitude to have if you're a Bournemouth fan going into this. So so what you're saying there, Andy, is uh, keep the pitch dry and give them lots of corners. <laughs> is that what I'm yeah. getting from, from that? Yeah. Cool, yeah. okay. So the groundsmen just need to keep the sprinklers off. Uh, and the weather needs a few, to stay, a few uh, yeah. Mario Kart bananas on the on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people need to put their uh, put their put their slick studs in and then not their blades. Okay, right, we'll 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 do that. Um, yeah, Joe. So as Andy's mentioned, you're gonna you're gonna do a little something new. We're trying in the match preview. We're gonna take a little look at maybe a a head to head, or you're gonna compare yes, kind of a Bournemouth player to a Newcastle player and how they maybe will stack up against each other in the game at the weekend. Yep, absolutely. I'm going to do a head-to-head -head and this week we're going to look at two of the most informed forwards in the league this season, being Gordon versus Solanke. Both have made 23 appearances. Uh, Gordon has had seven goals, whereas Solanke's had 13. 
but you know, Gordon does have more assists. He's got five uh, as opposed to Slanky, he's got two. So they're quite comparable with that. I mean, obviously you would expect that uh, I suppose a difference with Gordon playing out on the wing more, with Slanky being more of an out-and-out striker. One thing I did find quite interesting was that Gordon has six of his seven goals at home, whereas Slanky seems to be a little bit more uh, balanced with seven of his 13 being away from home. Um, so that, I mean, for those stat nerds amongst you, for Gordon, that's about 0.57 goal involvements per 90 minutes, and it's 0.66 for Solanke. So slightly more, but, you know, very, sorry com- to, very sorry comparable. To interrupt you. Does that mean that Gordon's only away goal was Sheffield United? Because that, that's, uh, that's mad. If That's mad. That's obviously true. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, wow. That's blown the light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a goal it was, by the way. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, just, uh, no, it's all right. There. Yeah, so um, so so Gordon does have uh, slightly more, uh, I suppose, creativity on his side. He's got just over one key pass per ninety minutes, and Solanke has uh, just under. And obviously, he has more successful dribbles than Solanke. But I suppose what we want to do is look at the the key play styles between both of these players and see how they stack up. Now, the reason why I wanted to talk about Gordon specifically is because, as we know, Isak and Wilson are almost certainly going to be out for this game. Uh, Wilson's suffered his 57th uh, injury of the season. And Isak is fantastic, but, you know, his groin's made out of glass or whatever it is. So chances are Gordon is going to be starting in the middle here. I would not be surprised if he is flanked bent by the likes of Murphy and Barnes or Almeron, or whatever it might be. Um, but regardless of whether he plays out wide or in the centre, one thing that Gordon does love to do is have the ability to draw fullbacks and exploit that space uh, in behind. And that's been absolutely pivotal this season. You look at whether he's been playing out on the wing or in the centre, what he does is he feigns his movement and he uses that manipulation of his body to be able to draw that space, both for him and to bring the midfielders into play. Now, um, so you look at that and think, okay, that's, that's great. But then if he's up front, He's going to have to be clinical. And actually, his shot accuracy this season is 45%. And he's got about a 25% conversion rate. So one in every four shots is going in. So, I mean, for someone who's technically a winger, I'd say that's a really good conversion rate. Um, and, you know, it shows that he's got that in his locker when he's up front on his, on his own. Um, and, he's, you know, he's not actually too shy on holding players up as well. You know, the likes of what Wilson's been so... Uh, praised for as well this um, this season, last season. Gordon actually has the ability to hold up the, the ball and bring more uh, players into play. So he's got that he's got that in his locker. But as well as that, obviously we've seen, he loves to make those runs in behind. And I just think that he's so versatile that wherever you put him on that front line, he's going to do a really good job and be effective. Now, so what I would say, thing to watch, for Gordon, is that movement off the ball, his ability to trick defenders. Just keep an eye on it and watch what he does. Now, we'll move on to Solanke. Different player. So he's more of an out-and-out striker. He is probably someone that Alan Shearer is absolutely adoring right now uh, as a current striker in the Premier League. His goals, he's a poacher, target man. He loves those runs in behind. He seems to have a little bit of everything. If you look at his goals this season, a lot of them are those kind of poachers inside, like inside the box, instinctive finishes, latching onto those loose balls, taking chances and gambling. So, I mean, Alan Shearer said himself that those are the best kind of strikers, those who take that gamble and can read the game. 
Um, I mean, look at a perfect example of this is his goal against us this season. So he was making that run. And then I think it was one of our defenders ended up accidentally like uh, knocking it into the path, but he was there to pounce on it and score it. And if you look at his goals this season, so many of them have been that. But as well as that, he is very good at heading as well. His aerial presence is fantastic. So that is something we're going to have to look out for. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a really deft poacher in the 18-yard box. And we need to really try and avoid giving him that space and stop the crosses coming in to the box. So it's going to be an interesting battle between the two, obviously. Like, likelihood is they're not going to see much of each other on the actual pitch. But looking at the different play styles and how they're going to try and work the box, work the defenders. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch watch the two of them. Yeah, and hopefully uh, it's Anthony Gordon who uh who uh is the victor of the two if we we're, we're looking at from so. a head to from a head to head <laughs> uh point of view. Yeah, I, I mean I agree about Solanke. He's it's it's to to kind of phrase from a, a Wayne Gretzky or to put a spin on it. He does kind of run to where he thinks the ball is going to be. This was mm-hmm. to running towards the ball or expecting where the ball is, is, you know, wanting the ball to be at him. Um, he, he's anticipating the mistake of a defender and, and he's, you know, he's not just waiting to get to the defender and um, we'll turn our attention to injuries. Cause there are, there are a few and obviously, you know, Joe, you've mentioned a big talking point from our side. We'll just cover both teams together. So for Bournemouth side lads, uh, we've got James Hill, who's who is out injured. Um, Tyler Adams is 50 50, um, and I think they've got a couple of season long injuries or you know, longer injuries in uh, Ryan Fredericks and Max Ahrens, who I didn't realize they'd signed, I thought he was still at Norwich, uh, but Max <laughs> Ahrens, but he's, he's out. Um, and then they've also got, as Daryl mentioned earlier, Philip Billing, who was uh, suspended. Um, uh, so that is always a plus because I think he's quite a pivotal part of their team. Uh, yeah. And then obviously for us, I'm not going to go through all of them, but we've got Callum Wilson who, uh, you know, if we couldn't have imagined any other part of the body that a player could get injured for Newcastle United, <laughs> CM De Jong has returned from <laughs> the Netherlands and thought, hang on, lads, I've got a part of the body that I know can be injured and it is the right or left peck or left tit or whatever it is he's, he's pulled so it just can't just doesn't get any worse sick boys, of it. Does it it's an yeah. absolute nightmare it's so um, it's so poor it's it's really unlucky isn't it? I, mean, I say it's unlucky it's some of these players i mean i think of the likes of jack wilshire is a really good example of players who whilst when they're playing they're so prolific in in many teams would adore to have them but they're just they can't stay fit and it's not like it's a reoccurring thing. There seems to be issues all over the shop. It's a real shame because he is a great player and he's been fantastic for us, especially even during the Bruce era. You know, he was latching on to so much that was so, like. So which which body parts have we had injured now then? So we've had two spines, a toe, a brain. I'm sure Shah's had a head injury at one point. We've had now we've had. Yeah, left Shah has, uh, has a head injury every game, man. That's yeah. Just yeah. What, what did Pope do? Pope broke his hand. We've shoulder. had two dislocations. Yeah, shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like two we're having shoulder. a game Eyes, of operation. Yes, mouth, nose, head, shoulders, knees, and toes. <laughs> yeah. so there's a song somewhere going on. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. Um, it, Alvin Barnes did he spot? Didn't he? Something he spot his toe. We've had illness. We, had, this this podcast will go on for like yeah. two hours if we're going to go through every injury. <laughs> it's crazy, I'm, I'm man. Waiting, I'm waiting for a chipped tooth. I'm, I mean, we've, we've had, was it, um, 
it was Jamal Lasells, wasn't it? A couple of seasons ago, who lost a lost a tooth mid game. Uh, he got con- remember when he got um, I remember when he got concussed uh, play against that interview was hilarious ah, after the just game. Sat there with a big <laughs> towel on him. I think yeah, Wilson had one of them as well, actually, didn't he? He had a Yeah, it was Wilson. It was Wilson. Yeah. yeah. The, but the yeah. point is, we're just like, yeah, we we kind of catch a break and poor Gordon. I mean. As if we didn't love him enough already, we're now shoehorning him into a number nine and saying, "Do what you do again." Uh, but I mean, whenever he's gone there, he's he's looked fine. He's mm. I think I think how knows yeah. he can't just stand as a number nine like Solanke. He's got to go and roam and get the ball deep and run at people, similar to what Isak yeah. does. So, I mean, yeah, I love him. If he gets in there and he ends up being the number nine, we might end up saying we don't need a, another number nine because he'll take the nine shirt off Wilson and go and play there full time. But do, do <laughs> you think that was the that was the the intentions of you know the summer and possibly the January transfer window of us not bringing in a striker? But we've saw Gordon do that job. For mm. the you know the England youth setup in the in the the tournament in the summer doing quite well there. Obviously, he did play on the on the wings as well for for the the international side, but he did fill in in that number nine role when needed. So maybe the the club thought, you know what, with FFP being as tight as it is, we've got a player that can do a job there if needed. Yep. They obviously never banked that's, on needing it, but I think the, I think <laughs> they probably it. banked on that as well as having Joel Linton as a backup as well, just in yes. case. To play on the left to just to cover. Don't, yeah, don't, don't forget that Barnes and Murphy were just about ready to come back as well, which they have yeah. done. So you've got that back up on the wings if needed. It's it's one of the man strikers are, are at a premium any in any window in any respect. And you look at this in the January window with our, how desperate we are. You're going to absolutely bust the bank if you try and bring in a good striker. And you've got to yeah. think as well what the long term plan is with the likes of Wilson too. If you're expecting him to maybe go in the summer or or next summer, there's going to be a strategy in place for replacing him right. I mean, you could do another thing with Chris, like Chris Wood, where you bring in a temporary stopgap, but we saw how much that cost. And mm-hmm. yeah, we were lucky to get is what we... Yeah, <laughs> it got, yeah. No, literally, you know? And I think we're at a stage where we really need to be thinking about these long-term replacements coming in yeah um, you, no, you know so we need it we need a young and through we do. yeah that's exactly what we need and either whether it comes from our youth team at the moment or we we buy someone you know i know there was the whole etiquette uh you know saga was it last summer the summer before i don't know when it was yeah. when he d- decided to go to psg two? and last two minute it was two years ago when it was, was january, the takeover was that January, January yeah, the first window um but, you know, it is what it is, and we are here. And, and I do want to stress, we are recording this before the Eddie Health press conferences, although this will probably be going out. Not that that Friday. means anything. Come yeah, on. Come on. <laughs> yeah, as we found out last week, it doesn't matter what Eddie Howe says. Nelson's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Eddie, Eddie Howe, we don't know what's happening with Callum Wilson. Isa could start on Saturday, for all we know, because we cannot trust a thing the man says. And Ash was up front for one last hurrah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll talk a little bit about Newcastle. Obviously, we're coming off, um, you know, the injury to Callum Wilson, which is probably going to put a bit of a dampener on on pretty much anything that we've got looking forward to this game, to be honest, because we don't have an out-and-out striker. So I think expectations might be a bit subdued for people going into this game. Although it is Bournemouth, you know, like I've said, they're completely unpredictable. Um Daryl, mate, what's what's your opinions on the lineup? Is it is it as is, but obviously the change up front, or 
Do you make any changes anywhere else in the pitch? I think the the temptation might be there to change up something in midfield, but again, that'll depend on availability. Um, we saw that tactical alteration to the game plan against Nottingham Forest where Kieran Trippier was stepping into midfield at times to, to partner Lewis Miley, who was sitting deeper than usual. Um, and then at times, again, if it wasn't Trippier, it was Sean Longstaff would drop in again uh, alongside Miley and Kieran Trippier would push right the way up the wing, which would then bring Miggy inside uh, behind Callum Wilson at that point. But for me, I think it's just that one change and that's just to replace Wilson. Um, I think we a hot topic in the group chat earlier in the week that, you know, we have goals coming from all over the place in this squad. So, well, I think, what is it, the, the third best in, in Europe, I think? Maybe, joint for the joint top. We were in the joint three, top. Yeah. yeah. So, joint top you know, with Natalie we, we, and someone else. Bayern? Bayern. Bayern Munich, yeah. Um, so, He's not okay, you know, got 35 goals or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there are goals in this team and we only have to go as far back as last week to say that you had Bruno with two and Fabian Scher just scoring for fun yet again maybe he's the answer to, to be Callum fair Wilson. on that stat we have fielded the most number of players of any other well, team in the league as well I'd imagine so you know <laughs> you could take that that's step true with but salt hey that way. They're, they're still got to put it in the back <laughs> but of the they're net, scoring so. they're still scoring yeah. absolutely so they're, they're doing absolutely. the job in, in that respect so you know I think there's still a confidence is high and you know Harvey Barnes has come back and he had that goal in his first game back against Luton when he equalised um, so there's definitely goals in the team and it you know, as much as we will miss the the effect of having a Wilson and Isaac up front, I'm still quite confident that we'll be able to score regardless because of how we play. Yeah. Uh, Andy, yeah. mate, um, obviously there was a lot of criticism for Lewis Miley in the last game that he maybe didn't have the best of games in the middle against Forrest. Um, but we saw in the, the, the counter game against Forrest that Bruno didn't have the best of games against Forrest when, you know, when they did the number on us. Mm. Is this a game for Miley where you think, do you know what, actually he could he could turn back and, and actually have a good performance against Bournemouth and and reinstate maybe a bit of faith in, into him in that holding midfield role? Yeah, I think this is one of the first times we'd seen Miley um, try to sort of hold up the midfield on his own because he obviously went into that deeper midfield position, had Trippier alongside him for definitely the first half, but for large parts yeah. of the game, he was being asked to dictate everything. We obviously pushed Bruno further forward. So maybe it was just one of those games where Miley's obviously, I mean, so inexperienced anyway. Yeah. Um, and we maybe just, we've almost sort of taken that experience that he's had this season away by putting him in a different position. So I don't think he was horrible against Forrest. I think it was just one of those games where he is still a kid. Um, oh, absolutely. If, 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 he has, yeah. if he has, you know, one bad game out of five for a 17, 18-year-old, that's absolutely sensational. So he, he's shown uh, he's shown his worth. And, you know, Daryl makes an amazing point about the amount of goals all across the team. I mean, Miley's got goals as well. You know, mm-hmm. every you know, yeah. and and we made that obviously made that um, comparison between Solanke and Gordon. If they're without Solanke, the attack almost dies. Whereas with those, it's like, well, do you know what? We've got a centre back who's more prolific yeah. than a lot of strikers in the Premier League. <laughs> Surprised the Bravka hasn't banged one in yet. So, um, yeah, Miley. I think there's going to be those moments, but I think most fans, you know, they're sensible enough to know that if he has an off game, he's slightly out of position. He plays a loose pass. You know we're not going to get on his back and we know the manager's not going to get us back. And to be fair, we can't afford to get on his back because there's no one else. So yeah. we're going to have to just keep yeah, backing I, him. 
I do want to stress, I'm not criticising Miley. In, no, in no, I don't mean He did come yeah. across some criticism over the weekend. Well, he got caught for that goal, didn't he? Yeah. He got caught for that goal, didn't yeah. he? He jumped forward mm. a bit, but I think that I think whoever was in that position at that point would have done the same thing because that's the ethos of the team, isn't it? So, um, yeah, Absolutely. I think we'll probably similar midfield and I think he'll have a good game. Joe, mate, given how prolific Fabian Scherer is in front of goal, <laughs> would you start him up front <laughs> and just play three at the back? <laughs> I think it's a no-brainer. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Do it, right? What kind of a question what is that, of course? <laughs> I didn't I'm even realise that. You, you I didn't even realise that I needed to be saying. Yeah, I mean, when I was saying Gordon was playing central, I meant, you know, as a 4 4 2 up top yeah. with Big Fabian. You know, <laughs> oh, I like Dunk- Ferdinand Ferguson and Shearer. Yeah. Oh, you <laughs> Ferdinand, I, Big Duncan Shearer, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, you know what it is? Um, no, it's right. The the sort of breadth of, of goals that we have across the team, it's. You know, it's it's still something we're getting used to. I think as a club, we've seen I mean, we've had that the last couple of seasons where we've seen it. I think did was it Shelby one season under Bruce that finished as top goal scorer? You know, we're yeah, used to seeing these goals come oh, from across the field. Oh, oh, yeah. Did you make yeah, yeah, it eight goals? It wasn't that many, was it? Was it? Was it? it was. It was <laughs> something horrendous. <laughs> but you never got um, I think. I mean, I think even Longstaff. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's got something like six goals a season, perhaps in all competitions. But that's. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is. Uh, most prolific season so far. And he's obviously taken that advice from Shearer and running with it. You know, he's he's doing really he's doing really well. So no, it's really good to see. And I think when we talk about goals, we have to obviously look at the front line. And I, and I would say that this game is probably the most unpredictable for predicting the, the front three in terms of who's mm. going to start because Barnes has come on and We've seen what he can do. He's a very, very controlling winger. He, we've said it. He dictates the play. He dictates the pace. And obviously, he's got a keen eye for goal. You've got uh, Murphy, who is an absolute pace machine and has shown his quality time and time again as an out-and-out winger who is a right-footed winger on the right-hand side. You know, who would have thought? But then, inverted to that, you've got Miggy, who divides a bit of opinion, but you know, at the end of the day, he's he has shown quality and he's been a mainstay in the team. So you look at you look at those and you think, well, who is going to start? Who is going to be best to partner Gordon in that central role if that if that does happen? Um, so yeah, it's going to be going to be very interesting. I think likelihood is probably probably Murphy will make way for Almiron uh, if we're judging by Eddie Howe's past record. But it's I think it's all up for grabs and it's nice to have a um, it's nice to have a there you go back there uh-huh. uh, play a bit of musical chairs huh? <laughs> but no it's nice to find out a bit of competition you know we've, we've suffered we've suffered in midfield we've suffered at the it's, back I'm just thinking we can't afford another injury if Daryl's just dropped off I know we need to talk about the referees we'll do that in a minute yes, but it's, we're it's nice Speaking to just have options it's yes. nice to just have this discussion because in the past match people were just like well, the lineup's going to be the same again. Right, moving on. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> now to see. So, speaking of referees, Daryl, mm-hmm. who's the person in charge? I'm not going to say man because it could be a woman. It could be a man. It could be an alien. Who knows? Who is the person <laughs> in charge? Okay, so in the middle on Saturday, we will have Michael Salisbury of Preston in Lancashire. Um, it's his first Newcastle game of this 23-24 season. Um, his fourth Newcastle match in his career as a man in the middle. And I am going to say man because I'm pretty sure we can all assume he's a man. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's gonna, I'm going to hit you with a, a bit of a negative start to the statistics uh, surrounding Thanks. Mr Salisbury. Um, and we are yet to win a game in which he has taken charge. 
Um, and that includes two FA Cup games, and that is last season's loss to Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough, and then the previous season's loss to Cambridge United at home. Um, and in between those two games, we had uh, last season's nil-nil home draw with Crystal Palace, which, as we all remember, Joe Willock had a goal disallowed after he was pushed in the back, the and he ended up spearheading into the referee. Was it spearheading into the goalkeeper and taking the goalkeeper out? Um, mm. So we all remember that one. So I don't know. Can we blame Salisbury for that? I'm not sure. I think it might be down to the VAR official who decided to call him back yeah. over. Um, but yeah, so we'll go on to um, Michael Salisbury's season stats for this season. He's had quite a quiet season compared to most of the referees that we've come across um, this this season so far. So he's actually only officiated nine Premier League games so far. Um, and when you think of how many Premier League games there have been in total since the start of the season, that's a very small amount compared to the others. Um, he hasn't in been those nine games, championship for dodgy decisions. No, um, I had a look to see if he'd been selected. For, no, okay. so I did have a look. Um, I did do a little bit of a deep dive to see if he'd been relegated to Championship or football, uh, the rest of the football league even. And I couldn't find any record of him oh, well. officiating in the football league. So it is interesting. I think he might have spent a lot of time in the VAR room this season for one reason or another. Whether or not he's had an injury, should have been using him in a, an off-the-field role, who knows. Um, but yeah, in those nine games that he has officiated this season, we've seen 34 yellow cards and two red cards. So he's, you know, the average out over the nine, nine games. games. It's it's, yeah, it's that's, what that's not quite a season oh, at all. I agree. <laughs> <three or four laughs> <cards a> game. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. Yeah, Bruno's uh, been on nine yellow cards for three seasons mm. now, and he's yeah. this is when it all ends. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not because I don't want Bruno to miss Arsenal next week. Jesus, God, oh, imagine. I only have um, one question about the ref because yeah. this is one of these refs I cannot picture this guy at all. Is he bald? Because the bald refs are always bad. And no, he's not bald. A bit better, right? Okay, he's not bald. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything considering we've never won a game he's been refereeing. So, ah, first time for everything. That's true. Well, yeah. that's it. Um, so, yeah, so he's th- there was 34 <clears> yellow <throat> cards and two red. So it's what, just over three, three maybe four yellow cards per game that he's got How there. How many blue cards? Zero. We don't talk about blue cards in this channel, Andy. So, so yeah, we'll see what he has to do and hopefully the VAR won't screw him over again like it did last time against Crystal Palace. Well, fingers crossed, VAR doesn't need to get involved at all at the weekend. Um, but we can talk about whether we think it is or not because it's time to come to our predictions. Um, Joe, mate, as you're so beautifully lit in that room of yours, <laughs> I'm going to come to I you really first. Am. I feel like I'm in some kind of halo. I don't know what's going on. Like, it's like oh, the beginning of Mr. Oh. Bean. I feel like you're just about to be like, <laughs> absorbed into the scene. <laughs> oh. Well, ooh, I don't know. Because it's a really tough <laughs> one, isn't it? Um oh, you know what it is. I'm I'm gonna just I'm just gonna say well, I think we're gonna win two one. The I, I really think Solanke is gonna be such a difficult player to try and keep quiet, but we're we're bringing a good amount of form back. Bournemouth, they're patchy away from home. I think that we've got those options off the bench now and I just, I think, we're, I think we're going to come into this with a good amount of confidence. We've had a really good start of twenty twenty four, and whilst part of both Luton and Forest uh, were questionable and do show some, uh, I suppose, still issues that we need to uh, work on, especially with regards to the defence. 
I think we're getting our mojo back and we're going to continue our impressive home form and we're going to run out 2-1 winners. Nice. Daryl, mate, we'll come back, come back to you. Yeah, well, I'm still haunted by the, the Luton game in the 4-4. Um, it absolutely has my life thinking about this game because it's it's almost in a, a similar sort of fashion. Um, but I do agree with Joe and I do think that we'll run out 2-1 winners. Um, in terms, I might even try and give you some goals here. I think I agree with think Solanke might just bag another one for, for Bournemouth. And for us, ah, he's in a bit of a rich vein of form after that game against Forest. I fancy Bruno to get another one. And I'm going to say, why not? Let's have uh, Anthony Gordon get one as well. How many celebrations nice. for Bruno if he scores? Six. Uh, Twelve. Twelve. <laughs> He's getting them all Two in. yellow cards. Yeah. Might get three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy, mate, what's your predictions for this one? Well, I'm rubbish at predictions, so I spoke to a lad at work called Chris and I said, what's your prediction? He said 3-1 Newcastle, so I'm just going to say that because <laughs> I've been absolutely <laughs> terrible at these predictions. But, uh, really? but he said that before I'd obviously heard what you gentlemen had to say and I think that backs up, I think what you've all said, there's going to be goals in it. Um, mm. I think Bournemouth will play without a lot of fear. I think they know there's better games coming up for them. I think we've definitely got goals in us at both ends. Um, so I think it'll be more of the same again. I think we've just got to start strong. Um get a win and hope i mean hopefully i'm wrong and it's more like the bournemouth game from last season at home because i do not remember that game at all so if it could be a very forgettable one nil win that would be great <laughs> but if, uh, yeah, yeah if, we'll go three one yeah, if i remember rightly wasn't there wasn't that like isaac's last game before we went out with injury until like february or something probably it was something yeah. it was something after he was yeah he was missing after that for a while it wouldn't be a Newcastle game if someone didn't get injured after scoring. So. <laughs> <laughs> you probably I, right. Bruno might trip over the advertising or and get injured. Well, you might as well get a yellow well, card on his way out. There. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I've got, got some good news. It's it's four wins. It's a four-win prediction week. Um, I think we did that last week, but I'm not. I'm not 100. I can't remember, but I'm, I'm, I think we did. Um, but yeah. There was uh, one of those pretty much insights I nearly wrote down, but I didn't bother. Was that if we concede three goals this week, it's the first time ever that we've conceded four, uh, three or more goals in four weeks in a row at home. Um, oh. So I'm not going to go for yeah, no, three did. or three. Um, <laughs> I think I think it'll be three two. I think it'll be high scoring. I think it'll be a horrible well, game no um, because I think I think. They're going to press well quite high, and and I think I think we've struggled at late. Teams are presses quite high, so I think mm. they would have seen the Luton game. They would have took a lot from that. They would have seen the Forest yeah. game. Um, I think yeah, they're, they're going to bring the game to it, but I think we're going to just maybe have a bit too much for them. I think they'll get tired. I don't think they'll be able to keep it up for the entire match. Um, in second half, we'll we'll take it to them. I do think they'll take the lead. I think maybe they'll take a two goal lead, maybe. Um, but I think second half will will come back and yeah, we'll get three in the second half. So. It'll be two nil half time at Bournemouth, three two, uh, finished Newcastle. Um, <laughs> boring one, eh? Nice boring oh. game, a nice boring three o'clock kickoff that isn't going to be on the telly. And if that's any excuse to get rid of the blackout, this will be the game to get rid of the blackout so that everyone can watch that game uh, in the years to come. Um, and I'm going for an Anthony Gordon hat trick. Wow! And a and a, and a brace from Solanke. There you go. Whoa, 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 I'm not. I'm not the oracle. I'm just. I'm just making. I'm just making a prediction. I'm not the oracle. Um, it's too late. Yeah. I'm triple captain. 
that that's my, well, that's fine because I need I need to I need you, I need to catch you in the uh, Gallagher shots members uh, FPL table. Ooh, um, nice little segue. Yeah? yeah, there we go. So yeah, so what do you think the score is going to be? What is your prediction? What is your lineups? What have we missed on Bournemouth because we couldn't find anything? Andy struggled. So uh, let us know in the comments below. If, uh, if, if there's anything we missed and let us know what you think about this new format do you like it, do you not, do you want us to go back the old way, we probably won't but you know let one know anyway um, because I've quite enjoyed this one, I thought it was good um, so yeah let us know what everything that you think in the bottom, while you're down there making your comments, uh, just hit the little thumbs up button, that's all we ask, this gets this video into the feeds of other Newcastle and Bournemouth fans and uh, if you want to get more videos from us, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and you will get more videos from us in your feed, as well as notifications when new videos go live. If you listen on the audio, just give us a five-star rating on whichever platform you are listening to us on, and that gets us up the charts in those respective podcast charts. Uh, if you want to go one step further, like I mentioned before, there is a membership program that gets you early access to videos, that gets you exclusive access to videos as well. And it also gets you access to the Telegram group and the Discord server. Um, yeah, a whole host of content on this channel currently available as well. We're always pumping out new stuff. Uh, there's a FIFA video just gone live, as well as these match previews. You've also got the Over Smiling Faces podcast. Can you chat us back next week? Uh, there's also going to be match reactions, more match previews, all of that good stuff. But this has been the match preview for Bournemouth. I've been joined by Daryl, Joe and Andy. Lads, thanks a lot for your time. I understand it's, well, it's late for me. It's nearly 10 o'clock. It's late for you. It's nearly 9 o'clock. Um, My bedtime. I hope you've all enjoyed it. Um, thanks for your time for joining us. Thanks for your time for watching, listening, however you've been consuming this. I've been Scott, I've been your host, and we will see you all in the next one. Bye, Bye everyone. Lads. Bye. Podcast Network.